morning, church. Today's scripture is out of the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quickly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. May God bless the reading of this word. Brandon, thank you. If you wondered who was behind the piano there, that's Brandon. So you get to see him. It's on the front there. So good. So good. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful for your great love toward us. Lord, we pray that we would experience your love in a deeper way, even this Christmas, as we reflect on what you've done for us and why you have sent your Son for us, and how that is such a beautiful expression of your love. Lord, we would like to express our love to you this morning and remind ourselves as well as you that we are grateful to be able to love such a wonderful, caring, beautiful, gracious, merciful Father. And so we love you, Lord. And Lord, we pray for those who are away from us this holiday season. Some are perhaps still away at school or traveling to visit family. Some are deployed, some are ill, and Lord, we lift them up to you and pray that they too would experience your love and be able to express that love to others on this beautiful, beautiful holiday season where you celebrate your love. We ask now that the Holy Spirit would speak through me words that honor Christ and that help us to deepen our relationship with you, our love relationship with you. We pray all these things in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. It is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Love is a many-splendored thing. Make love, not war. Love means never having to say you're sorry. All we need is love. Love is all we need. Love is blind. Or... Thanks to Jim Morrison and the Doors. Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Hello, I love you. Yeah, okay, that's good enough. <laughs> Just want to see how old you were. <laughs> As a child of the 60s and the 70s, those are the descriptions of love that I grew up with. The philosophies of a world in search of love. But I also grew up in the church. And I grew up with the, te- the church's teachings about love. Love covers all transgressions. A friend loves at all times. Love your enemies. Love your neighbor as yourself. He who loves his life loses it. All men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
Love is patient. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friend. Love does not seek its own. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love is kind. Let all that you do be done in love. For the love of Christ controls us. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Be devoted to one another in love. Let love be without hypocrisy. Love never fails. On this fourth and last Sunday of Advent, we come to a new theme. Want to guess what it is? <laughs> the theme of love. Let me remind you where we've been. On the, on the first Sunday of Advent, we talked about hope. And we saw that hope is risky, but we should hope anyway. And we saw that we should let the Word of God and the Spirit of God inspire our hopes and our dreams. The second Sunday of Advent, we talked about peace, and we saw that Christ at His first coming brings us peace in the storm, that's personal peace, and at His second coming, He will bring peace from the storm, and that's worldwide peace. On the third Sunday of Advent, last week, we talked about joy, and we discovered that joy is not merely a good mental attitude. Joy is ecstatic happiness. And we can have ecstatic happiness in the f- and the fullness of happiness best in the presence of our Lord. And today, this fourth Sunday of Advent, our topic is love, but what is love? The world tells us something about love, and the Scripture tells us something about love. And if you have your bulletin, there's, it's sort of an outline, it's information, I guess. You might fill in some blanks, a little bit different today. And if you're listening online, it's under the PDF icon if you click that. But love, what is it? Well, when you study the Bible, you see that the Bible doesn't give us a definition of love. I know because I looked. (laughs) It doesn't give us a definition of love. What it gives us is descriptions descriptions and demonstrations of love. Descriptions and demonstrations, not a definition. Why? Well, because love must be demonstrated. It must be demonstrated in order to be received. You're not going to receive it unless it's demonstrated to you. Just thinking about how much you love someone doesn't benefit them at all. Just having warm, tingly feelings about somebody or feeling warm all over when you see them doesn't help them unless you express it to them, unless you demonstrate it to them in some way. Because love must be demonstrated in order to be received. The phrase, I love you, is one of the most powerful statements a person can give. 
It's also one of the most powerful statements you can receive. Saying I love you can dramatically change a relationship. Either for good or perhaps in another direction. Saying I love you, that phrase can be long awaited. Oh, finally he says it or she says it. Or it can be totally unexpected. Like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) It can be wonderfully received. It can also be horribly and painfully rejected. Saying I love you can be the beginning of or sometimes the very end of a relationship. It's risky to say I love you. It's a bold statement. It never should be spoken or received lightly. Well, I decided I should look through the Scripture to see what the Scripture has to say about that phrase, and I discovered the phrase I love you only occurs seven times in our English Bibles. And then I was curious to find out when it occurs for the first time. Here's the story. The first time the phrase, I love you, occurs in the Scripture. An angel of the Lord appears to a childless Jewish woman and tells her that she's going to have a miraculous pregnancy, that she's going to give birth to a son, but not just any son, but a very special son, a son who will be a deliverer of the nation of Israel. A son who will be dedicated to the Lord from birth. A son who will be called a Nazarite. A son who will have supernatural abilities and work miracles. And as the story unfolds, we discover that this son would be arrested by his enemies. He would be beaten. He would be tortured. And he would die in front of their eyes. But this isn't a New Testament story. This isn't the Christmas story. This is an Old Testament story. It's not the story of Mary. It's the story of a woman by the name of Manoah. And it's not the story of Jesus. It's the story of a man by the name of Samson. And Samson is one of the most unusual figures in the Bible. He's a man of God who literally sleeps with the enemy. And while doing so... He was asked by his enemy lover, Delilah, quote, How can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me? You have not told me where your great strength is. And there in the book of Judges, chapter 16, verse 15, we have the very first time in Scripture where we have the phrase, I love you, recorded for us. Well, saying I love you needs to be followed up with action in order to be proof. It needs to be demonstrated in order to be received. So Delilah wants proof. She says, Samson, how can you say I love you and you haven't proved it to me? You haven't demonstrated it to me by telling me the secret of your great strength. So Samson divulges the secret of his strength, and he tells her that if you cut my hair, which has never been cut because I'm a Nazarite, it's never been cut. If you cut my hair, I will lose my strength and my power. And there it is. 
He did it. Samson took the risk of saying, I love you, and took the risk of proving it and demonstrating it. And in response, Delilah betrayed him. Betrayed him to his enemies who arrested him, bound him, gouged out his eyes, and made him a prisoner and a slave. Saying, I love you, is risky, (laughs) is the story of Samson proves. If you know the story, you know that over time, Samson's hair grew back. His strength came back. And in front of the last in front of the five Philistine lords and 3,000 of the enemies in a big house, he had his last performance, and he brought down the house. <laughs> he had his hands placed against the pillars of the building, and he pushed it, and the building came crashing down on him and upon his enemies. Saying, I love you, is risky, it's powerful, but it's necessary. And it must always be followed up by action, not just left hanging there, incomplete and unfinished. Because love must be demonstrated to be received. Now contrast that Old Testament story of I love you with a New Testament one, the one you expect to hear on the fourth Sunday of Advent at Christmas time. This story of an angel from the Lord appearing to a childless Jewish woman, the promise of a miraculous birth, of a son who would be called a Nazarene, a son who would be a deliverer of the nation of Israel, one who would work miracles and yet be betrayed by someone he loved, who would be arrested and tortured and die in the presence of his enemies. The story of Mary and Joseph And Jesus, a beautiful love story revisited each Christmas, the love of a young Jewish gal for God, the love of a Jewish man for his pregnant fiancée, the love of a couple for a special son, the son of God, and the love of God for the human race. A beautiful love story, yet oddly enough, No one in this love story, as written to us, ever says the words, I love you. I looked. Not in Matthew 1, where an angel appears to Joseph and tells him it's okay to marry Mary. Not in Luke 1, where an angel appears to Mary to tell her she's going to have birth to the Son of God. And she breaks out in the beautiful song, singing what we call the Magnificat. Not in Luke 2, where Mary gives birth to the... And the shepherds see angels and they're told to find a baby wrapped in claws. Not in Matthew 2 where the entourage of Magi come to visit Joseph and Mary and the child in the house. In fact, not only do you not see the phrase, I love you, the word love is never used in any of the Christmas story. Not even once as recorded for us. In none of these accounts, nowhere in the entire Christmas story is the word love even used. And yet, we associate the word love with the Christmas story. We make it the theme of the fourth Sunday of Advent. Why? Because love is so powerfully demonstrated to us 
by the Christmas story, by the actions of Joseph and of Mary and of God himself. If you're still taking notes, in the Christmas story, God demonstrates his love for you. God demonstrates his love for you. And this very obvious, very important truth can be so easily missed when we're celebrating the love of others for us, when we're celebrating our love for others at Christmas time, when we're getting together with family and friends and saying, I love you, we can miss the most important aspect of Christmas, God demonstrating his love for you, saying, I love you. In fact, to miss the I love you of God at Christmas is to miss the entire point of Christmas. You've missed it. Other types of love are good and healthy. They're important, but they're all secondary to the story. The story is about God saying, I love you, and demonstrating it by sending the Lord Jesus Christ, by proving that he loves us. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He sent his son. He gave his son to us. That's how he demonstrated his love. He didn't give us a definition. He gave us a demonstration. You know, at Christmas time, sometimes people feel left out. It's easy to feel left out at Christmas. Maybe you go back to work or... You come to church and someone says, oh, that Christmas party was so great. That was like the best Christmas. Oh, that's right. You weren't invited. (laughs) And you go, ooh, you feel a little left out because you weren't invited. Or maybe you send Christmas cards out to your friends and, and you don't get them back. Or you give someone a Christmas present and they don't reciprocate. Or... Someone gives chocolates to all the other neighbors and somehow they missed you and you feel left out. It's Christmas and your kids didn't call. Or if you're younger, maybe your parents didn't call. Your significant other didn't call. Your best friend from high school didn't call. You feel left out. The phone didn't ring. Or you're leaving after Christmas Eve and The pastor greets everybody by name, wishing them Merry Christmas, except you. He doesn't know your name. He goes, good evening. (laughs) And you feel left out, forgotten. The list could go go on and on. It's easy to find a reason to feel left out and unloved at Christmas. Until. Until you remember the whole point of Christmas. You remember the very core of the story. It's not about someone else demonstrating their love to you. That's nice, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but that's not what Christmas is about. It's about God demonstrating his love for you and saying, I love you. And no one is left out of God's love. Because God demonstrated it. But you need to choose if you're going to receive it from him. If you're going to look back and say, and I love you. Some of you, some of us, have told someone, I love you. And it hung there. 
It hung there. You've been there. And the other person said, thank you. (laughs) That's not what you'd hoped. And when God says, I love you, he doesn't just want it to hang there. He wants to know if you love him. And you love him by receiving his gift, by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior. And that's how you say, I love you. One of the mistakes that we can do at Christmas time is to go around expecting other people to show their love to us. And we're going to be disappointed, perhaps, when that doesn't happen. A healthier approach is for you to see yourself as the dispenser, as the demonstrator of love, regardless of what other people do. To be the one who initiates saying I love you, to be the one who initiates demonstrating love regardless of what you get back. That's what God did. God took a risk when he sent his son to demonstrate his love. He took a risk to say, I love you. And that's a good example for us to take a risk. It's always a risk when you express love. I'd like to read to you a delightful story from that series, Chicken Soup for the Soul, it's a true story. Little Chad was a shy, quiet boy. One day he came home from school and he told his mother that he wanted to make a valentine for every other student in his class. His mom's heart sank. She thought to herself, I wish he wouldn't do that because she had watched how the other children treated her son Chad. When they walked home from school, her Chad was always left out, was always walking behind all the other children. They laughed and hung out together and and just had a fun time walking home, but Chad was always in the back, never included. But nevertheless, Mom decided she'd go along with her son Chad, so she went out and she purchased the colored paper and the glue and the crayons so he could make valentines for everyone in his class. For three weeks... Night after night, Chad sat at the kitchen table and painstakingly made 35 valentines, one for everyone in his class. Well, Valentine's Day dawned, and Chad was beside himself with excitement. He carefully stacked all the valentines together, put them in a bag, and bolted out the door to school to give away the valentines. His mother decided to ease the pain (laughs) and to bake him his favorite cookies and to serve him a nice cold glass of milk when he came home from school because she just knew that he would come home disappointed and it hurt her to think that he wouldn't get many valentines. In fact, she was wondering if he would even get any valentines. That afternoon, She had the cookies ready and the milk on the table. She heard the children outside walking home. She looked out the window, and sure enough, all the children were laughing and having the best time without Chad. And Chad was behind them in the rear. She fully expected him to burst into tears as soon as he got inside the house. His arms were empty, no valentines. And when the door opened, she choked back her tears. Honey, she said to Chad, I I have some cookies and and milk for you. 
but he hardly heard her words. He just marched right on by, and all he could say was, not a one. Not a one. His mother's heart sank. And then he added with a huge smile, I didn't forget a one, a single one. Chad knew what it meant to demonstrate love for others, even if he didn't receive it back from them. Would you pray with me? While your heads are bowed and eyes closed, would you still listen? God has said to you by name, I love you. And he doesn't want those words left hanging. He expects a response. And everybody in this room has either responded by saying, I love you, back to God, or has rejected that love or ignored that love in some way. If you're here and you have never received the love of God by receiving His Son, Jesus Christ, into your life, a Son who came to die for your sins, to be buried, to rise from the grave and conquer death, a Son who offers you eternal life in a perfect place, free of all sin and hurt and pain. He offers you the best, but He doesn't force it because He loves you and He gives you the chance to respond by saying, I love you. If you're here and you never responded to his love and would like to, just tell him right now in your heart, Lord Jesus, I love you. I want you in my life. I accept your love for me. I believe you died for me and rose again, and I say thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, during this Christmas season, we ask that we would receive your love and you would help us to demonstrate that love to others. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen.